This is par for the course, where two totally average golfers discuss the ups and downs of the golf world and their own golf games. We'll share stories, insights, and our thoughts and opinions, which may or may not be well-informed. Through the good and the bad, though, everything here is par for the course. Welcome in, all you birdie chasers, weekend warriors, golf rage monsters, and even you non-golf enthusiasts. This is another episode of Par for the Course. Are you sick of us yet? I am your host, John Webb, and with me as always is my co-host, Andy Proctor. How are you, my friend? What up, what up? I'm good. Andy, it is April 4th. You know what that means? (laughs) It means that we shouldn't be having nearly as much (laughs) snow as we're having in Utah. Correct. In Utah, there is a winter storm warning going on right now, but that is neither here nor there because it's Masters Week. Masters Week! Can't wait. Let me ask you this right off the bat. Is this week more exciting than the week of Christmas for you? Ooh, that's a good question. I would say... I would say yes. Really? Okay. I would say it's very close. Yeah. But if you asked me the same question about Halloween, I would say no. Yeah. You, you and I love good Halloween. Well, it's Masters Week this week, and we are so excited. This is, this is my favorite major. I don't know about you, but... I agree. This is by far my favorite major. We've got a lot to talk about this week. Um, it may be a two-parter. We'll see how much we get to. There's a lot to cover because John decided to go on vacation. I did. He doesn't take the podcast seriously. It's true. I don't. Um, I was on vacation last week, but I missed it dearly. Where'd you go? I went to, I was on a cruise, Royal Caribbean, Mm. in the Caribbean. We went to Honduras, Cozumel, and Coco Cay. Sounds pretty sick. It was great. But happy to be here talking about golf. So we'll start off, as we always do, with our favorite segment, PGA Tour. How did you score? Cue the music. So uh, pretty straightforward. You and I both had a predictions. I thought um, Scotty was going to win. And Who did I pick? <laughs> you picked Tony Fino. Tony Fino. Neither of them won. So, <laughs> so we no can move points on. for us. <laughs> We got the Masters coming on this week. Let's start with you. Let's just go through top five. Your first being the winner, and then whoever you think will be in the top five for your predictions of the Masters. Going to try to go on the side of history. It has not worked out so far for me this year. Okay. But I'm going to go ahead and say that Rory is going to complete his Grand Slam. (sighs) Wouldn't that be great? I would love it. That would just be so great. For everything he's been going, everything he's been going through. I mean, he's won a few tournaments. And he's yeah, been doing really he's well. been winning pretty well. That would be awesome. Yeah, so I'm I'm hoping that Rory can get the job done. Yeah, and quit struggling so bad on yeah on the fourth round of every tournament. Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping that Rory can pull it out. I think he's just going to edge out Cam Smith. I hope we have a a re. Match of, <laughs> of the, the open, open from last year. Oh man, that I think great. we're gonna have some live guys up top. So I'm gonna say Cam Smith. Okay. Then John Rom. Okay, good pick. Brooks Kepka has apparently won wow. like two or three times on the live tour. The yeah, last I would few know. Weeks. I haven't been following. I haven't either, but yeah. I saw some stuff online that was saying he was, he's been winning recently. Okay. And then I have not been getting uh, giving our boy. Jay Spieth enough credit this year, so <laughs> yeah. I will go with Jay Spieth. <laughs> okay, those are some good picks. Now, we happen to have chosen the same person that we think is going to win. I think Rory's going to win this week. Good. I think he's due. I think his game is in incredible form. He's won a few tournaments the last year. All signs point to yes. So We hope so. We hope so. So what you're saying is we can be symbiotic partners and again for the Masters this week. Absolutely. Great. Yes. Um, a lot of people are talking about, is Scotty Scheffler going to uh, win it again consecutive year in a row? I be, don't see that happening. It would be pretty cool to see him repeat. I mean, he yeah. he repeated at um, in Phoenix. He did repeat in Phoenix. Um, I would love to see it. I just don't think it's going to happen. I do right. think he'll be in the top five. He's in my number two. I think Spieth will be in the top five. 
John Rom, and then in my last, I will say Max Homa. Ooh, gotta love Max. Max Homa. So I didn't pick any live players, uh, not because really? I'm biased, but because I just feel like they haven't played nearly as much golf. And they haven't played 70, uh, 72 holes Correct. in so long. Yeah. and I mean, technically they don't have a cut, but still, yeah, they haven't played full tournaments. I think they're... I think they're going to be okay. I do, too. I just, as far as, like, competing against the best of the best, they haven't been for the last year or so. Right. So I just don't see them even scratching the top five. Although, I wouldn't be shocked. Like, if Kepka did well, obviously he has a lot of history at majors. So So one thing I was kind of considering as I was looking through the people I wanted to predict that would win or mm-hmm. be in the top five were people that had played well previously. Sure. At, at Augusta. Augusta. Because, mm-hmm. you know, people are always talking at Augusta, there's a few key points uh, to winning. If mm-hmm. you can, uh, you, you don't necessarily have to hit fairways. Uh, this tournament is all about approach shots. Mm-hmm. If, if you know, Greens and regulation. As long as you don't really put yourself in a terrible situation off the tee, as long as you can get on the green in regulation, mm-hmm. uh, make your putts, and as long as you can take advantage of all the par fives. Right. All the par fives uh, as a whole average uh, like a birdie. Yeah. They average closer to birdie than to par. Sure. And um, none of them really have high bogey rates. So mm-hmm. anyway, so what, and then obviously one big leading factor as far as doing well at uh, the Masters, which I would say this really applies to any tournament, is prior success at that tournament. Mm-hmm. So my question for you is: You picked John Rom, correct? I have no idea how John Rom has played. Honestly, I haven't. Before. I don't either. The reason I picked him is because of how he's been playing lately, except for mm-hmm. a couple tournaments. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I think you're right. There's definitely something to be said about course knowledge and just overall feeling, like. For example, here in Utah locally, we have a course called Wasatch Mountain. Mm-hmm. It's our favorite course here in the state. Best mountain there is. Best mountain there is. And I typically play well there every time. Mm-hmm. Like, I usually don't have a bad round. And right. so, there really, I think there is something to be said about just familiarity right. and doing well. Right. Well, let me ask you this. So, I wanted to start out just your overall, well, our thoughts and feelings, first and foremost, with having the live players back. I know it's a big topic of conversation, mm-hmm. but I think you and I both agree that I don't think that this is um, going to be as dramatic and or, uh, yeah, I don't think there's going to be as much drama with these live players playing with PGA Tour players again as people may think. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, I feel like I've, I've watched a few interviews like Tiger, Rory, they both got interviewed today and they talked about how they're actually, you know, excited to see some of the players come back and to play around with them again, minus a couple like Patrick Reed, which I don't blame (laughs) them. I feel like he is not like anyone. I am excited to have Patrick Reed back because I've missed having a villain to root against. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there is something to be said about having a villain. Um, but I just... Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me this week that I am so excited for is just to have everyone back, having yeah. live players come back to play with PGA players. Yeah, I think there's something to be said about, <clears throat> you know, the, the things that all of those players brought to the table. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, obviously Brooks Kepka at one time was one of the hottest golfers in, in the game, and yeah. Bryson DeChambeau was playing really, really well a few years ago, doing mm-hmm. really incredible things with his drive, and... Um, you know, even though we, we love to hate on him, uh, Patrick Reed, you know, former Masters champion. Really good at the Ryder Cup. Yeah. Captain I mean, America. there are I a mean. lot of great golfers on the live circuit. And, and I agree with you. I don't, f- you know, I think that it's kind of like what we talked about a few episodes ago with the, um, the team golf league where, yeah. you know, golfers, you know, the, golfers aren't the type of athletes to talk a lot of trash. Sure. Right. Like, I think everyone is expecting from the live players towards the PGA players and vice versa. They're expecting, like, a Angel Reese, Caitlin Clark type of thing. (laughs) (laughs) The listeners haven't heard about that. You know, go look up the NCAA women's (coughs) basketball tournament. Yeah, the final. You know, everyone's expecting trash talk and and interactions like that. And it's, like, like you said, Golfers just don't do that. Mm-mm. Like golfers are more worried about what's happening to their own golf ball, yeah, than what he said or he did or they did or whatever. Yeah, 
I think you and I had a conversation in the past about how we felt about majors, all four majors allowing live players, and I mm-hmm. and I am now really solidifying, you know, maybe what I may not have fully believed in that. I am glad that it's the case. Just because this week I'm excited to see everyone compete against one, in, one another. Right. And to have every player that formerly f- a part of the PGA Tour in one place again. So I'm excited. I'm just excited that the competition has been revved up because obviously yeah. the last few weeks, or I guess the last couple months, we've had really good tournaments, but it hasn't been the same level of competition as it has been in years past. Yeah. Well, and I'm wondering when you start having more of these majors where – you get live players playing against PGA players. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's going to start breeding more contention. Mm-hmm. I don't. Th- there's obviously not a whole lot right now. You yeah. think there would be more than there is, but there's not. But I wonder if, you know, say, you get a few live guys that keep on winning majors. Yeah. PGA guys start getting, you know, tempers flaring, or vice versa. PGA guys keep on winning. Yeah. And the live guys, you know, can't handle it. It'd be interesting to see what happens after, you know, four or eight more majors mm-hmm. happen to see yeah. what happens to that level of contention. Yeah, I bet it would just go through the roof, honestly. But um, Okay, let's talk about our favorite Masters memory in the past from you and I. We both have not had the chance to go to Augusta, so this is strictly mm. from what we've seen on the television. Yes. Um, <laughs> so for me... Uh, I think this is Danny Willett. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> isn't he your favorite golfer? So, side note: I, as you all know, Jordan Spieth is my favorite player, and when he choked, utterly choked in 2016 mm-hmm. on the twelfth hole, where he hit into Race Creek twice. What? Um, he had, I think, a three-shot lead at that point, and he just squandered it. At that mm. after that, Danny Willett just coasted to the end and won, and I have never forgiven him. He has no Danny business. Danny Willett or Jordan Spieth? Both. <laughs> Danny Willett has no business wearing a green jacket. But Can I just say, I guess <clears> I'm so won. glad you said both and not both. <laughs> we got ourselves a grammar cop in this conversation. No, 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 no. no. I'm just, I say, <laughs> I used to say both. Both. Trying both. to enunciate. Because yeah. I'm from Utah. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good enunciation. Um. No, my favorite master memory has got to be, and I'm sure a lot of you share the same one, is the 2005 uh, Tiger Woods chipping in on 16, part three. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, it's probably got to be in like the top five most iconic golf moments, and I'm sure Tiger has like three of those five or four of those five. Like mm-hmm. I think of the U.S. Open where he put it on eight, the 72nd hole to tie it to go play in a playoff the Rock Mediate or – you know, other moments in the past. But for this, um, it just to me is so iconic the way that it was Sunday. He was in the hunt. He was wearing a Sunday red. Um, he had a really bad tee shot. And the chip mm-hmm. was just, everything about it just worked out perfectly, whether it was how he chipped it, the way the ball rolled towards the hole, and you can see the Nike logo, how it gets to the lip of the cup, and it stops for a second, and everyone thinks it's not going in. It rolls in, and then everyone yeah. just erupts. That well, and is and my favorite It's memory. not like it was a you know, a, a pretty straightforward, hey, let me just no. e- even you know, left to right you know, banking five or ten feet. It was like, let me chip it up 25 feet left. Mm-hmm. And let it roll down, and it did. Yeah, and to get the check on the ball that he got, to get the spin, to get get it to stop enough to let it the slope take the ball towards the hole is just it's remarkable. Yeah. Um, the one caveat is afterwards when he, to me, is the worst high-five in the history of sports. <laughs> Steve Williams is the worst high-fiver in all of sports, <laughs> and he honestly – is close to ruining it for me on how bad he is when he reacts. Would you rather have to high-five him or have happy birthday sung to you? Oh, I hate happy birthday sung to me. <laughs> Probably high-five Steve Williams. That's how much I hate happy pretty, birthday. Pretty cool. <laughs> but, yeah, every time I watch that recording, um, I obviously it's iconic, but the high-five after almost overtakes the entire emotion of the it. moment. Yeah, yeah. like – it's so bad, and there's so many moments in Tiger's career where Steve Williams almost ruins the the iconic moment by being a crappy high fiver. 
He just can't all figure you, out what you're going to do. All you got to do is hold your hand out there and let Tiger go. Yeah, do his just thing. put your hand up and let him do it or just <laughs> or coordinate before the round. If something <laughs> cool happens, let's do this and just stick to that for the rest of your life cuz it just it sucks. See, that's where Tony Finau and his kids have it down. They have some pretty sick handshakes. Yeah, like coordinated handshakes. Yeah. Basketball and, players do it all Drace. the time. It's great. Yeah, it's great. So that's my favorite memory, minus the crappy high five at the end. But, oh, man, gotcha. every time I see it, I get chills. What about you? You know, I, I wish that I remembered these early Tigers Masters uh, moments better. Mm-hmm. But the truth is I, I really didn't start getting into golf until I golfed a little bit uh, at the end of high school and, in, like, the summer uh, you know, before college and stuff like that. Right. Uh, but I really didn't start getting into golf until – I was about 21 years old. Um, That's true. I was, you know, in college. Yeah. And uh, you and I were, were back from our missions in Italy. Mm-hmm. And I, I, so I really didn't have a lot of my own memories of actually watching those early Masters uh, memories take place mm-hmm. uh, for uh, for Tiger. And then even even in those years in like you know 2014, 15, 16. When Jordan Spieth was on his run, I, I really didn't watch a lot of golf. I just I just played it a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah. And so for me, like my my favorite Masters memory has got to be Tiger winning in 2019. 2019. Yeah. Just because it was so incredible, no one thought he would do it. Um, That's such a good one. You know, he'd had his whole history of obviously his, his personal life, his back surgeries and fusions, and just not playing well. And then coming back, you know, in his mid-40s and just being able to do it was incredible. Mm-hmm. So that's probably my favorite one. Yeah. That and um, Tony Finau relocating his dislocated ankle on oh. a par three. I totally par forgot three about challenge. that. that? Backpedaling down. <laughs> that was so the, gnarly. Down the green, down towards the green, and whoop, dislocates mean, his ankle. I could see how you'd be embarrassed in that moment, but it was such a baller move to just take his leg and just... Just like... Boom. Right back into place. Do you have any idea how painful that is? I don't. Me and I neither. don't want to. Me neither, but it looks crappy. <laughs> we'll put that on our top five favorite <laughs> Masters moment. Well, um, speaking of Tiger, real fast, I wanted to ask you, um, first and foremost, do you think he can win this week? So th- we I talked this, about this. this. Yeah, we kind of talked about this a few weeks ago. Do I think he can? Yes. Do I think he will? No. Okay. Because I don't, I my take has always been he won't ever win another major. Okay, so here's my right. second follow up question: <clears throat> Will he make the cut again, like he did last year? I think it really depends on how he's holding up physically. Yeah, I, I mean, it he just has not been able to make cuts in these big tournaments because he <clears throat> just doesn't feel well enough to play well enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, he went. He made the cut last year at the Masters. Um, but you could tell in the final round he was struggling just to walk. Right, right. Um, and we've talked about how the Masters or Augusta has these crazy slopes from hole to hole, and um, I just I personally think he will make the cut. Right. Um, but I think it will be the exact same as last year. I think end of third round, beginning of the f- uh, final round, you can tell physically he's not able to right. to walk normally. I think he will make the cut. Yeah. Because it sounds like obviously he's been not really participating in any other tournaments besides mm-hmm. the ones that matter most to yeah. him. Um, which, by the way, I don't, I don't know if we talked about this. We definitely didn't talk about this when we were talking about will Tiger win a, a major again or, or will he win another tournament. Um, but I think I sent you the link to this interview with Rory McIlroy mm-hmm. where he was, he was talking about a conversation that he'd had with Tiger where he was at Tiger's house mm-hmm. and he's looking at Tiger's trophy case and he realizes that the only trophies in his trophy case yeah. are all of his trophies from all of the four majors. Yeah. And he goes, well, Tiger, where where are all the, the trophies from your other tournaments? He goes, oh, I don't, I don't know. They're probably in storage or my, my mom might have a couple. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, he very clearly only cares about majors. Which is wild because he's won... So many tournaments total. Yeah, it's just insane. I mean, like every all those all those non-major tournaments that mm-hmm. he won are just it's just like a just nothing to him. Yeah, it know? almost feels like a throwaway. Just yeah, like, eh. it's like oh, that's co- like cool, good practice round. Cool you know, <laughs> way to, way to get a, a practice win for the next major. So 
I think to your point, he definitely won't win another non-major tournament because yeah. I don't think he's really going to play in any of them. Yeah. Well, um, I think yeah, I think he'll make the cut, but I just don't ever see it happening, man. Yeah. Yeah. Just unfortunately, I agree with you. Yeah. But like I mentioned in that same episode, I am always pulling for Tiger oh. to break Phil Mickelson's record of winning a major at hopefully hopefully fifty and yeah. however many days. That'd be incredible. Plus one that that Phil was. Which, interestingly enough, he's forty five, I believe. So in five or six years, Charlie Woods will probably be in college, Ooh. but he'll be close to becoming a professional. Yeah, so true. It'll be like a LeBron James, Bronny James scenario mm. if we ever get that. But a lot more likable. Yeah, it's a lot more <laughs> likable. <laughs> All right. So Andy has a story he'd like to share about a dream oh, he had. Yes. So about I, the Masters. I had a dream last night. I just it's, thought this that's would be how fun. that's how important this tournament is. We just dream it's about so it. We just dream about it. Um, <clears throat> I had a dream. That I was playing the Masters. Oh, and do tell. I have not heard this. This and is can the first I, time I've heard this. Can I just this. say, so I think every guy at some point, and maybe every girl who's athletic and played sports, every person who's who cares about sports probably at some point has had dreams where they are, they've reached a, a peak of athleticism that they never attained in real mm-hmm. life, where they, they're able to play in an event like the Masters, or sure. like I've had dreams where I've been playing in the NBA. Sure. Things that you would never be able to do. And whenever these dreams happen, it's always so frustrating because I'm never actually playing. <laughs> it's like I'm late for the game because I lost a sock. <laughs> or like I can't make it to the Super Bowl because I can't find my stupid football this helmet. This is your one shining moment. And I can't find <laughs> my mouthpiece or something, and it's just so <laughs> annoying. Or it's like, oh, I forgot to take the dog out. So like, so I can't play. Sorry, I can't like play in the U.S. Open. I forgot but, a shin but guard. Finally, <laughs> finally, I had a sports dream where I'm playing in the Masters, a big sporting event, and I'm actually there. Like you're playing, playing. I'm playing. Okay. How did it go? So I'm on twelve. Okay. Race Creek. But but there's no Race Creek. Okay. Makes it easier. It goes downstairs. Well, sort of. It goes downhill. In in the place of Race Creek, uh-huh. there are grass stairs. Okay. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> I'm following. I fat my nine iron, whatever club I sure. hit, and it rolls to the base of the first uh, grass uh. stair. It's like six inches <laughs> from the first, gr- like imagine a stair set that's like maybe eight or ten stairs up to the green, <laughs> Okay. and it's grass. Okay. And so I'm walking down, and I realize, and I don't know who's caddying for me. It's like one of our college buddies. I think mm-hmm. it was... Um, I don't remember. It was one of our college buddies, someone who would, didn't really play golf. Mm-hmm. And he's caddying for me, but I'm carrying my clubs. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, carry my clubs for me. <laughs> and then he, like, sets them down on the ground. And I'm, I walk over to my ball, and he gives me, the, he gives me my putter. And you're I'm like, you think I'm going to putt this ball up some <laughs> grass stairs? What are, you, like, what are you, an idiot? Sounds like a good caddy. So I'm, like, berating my caddy on national television. <laughs> <laughs> and it's getting recorded yeah. so everyone can see. So I go to my own bag and grab out my wedge. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm going to have to hit the gnarliest flop shot. And I'm knowing that I'm going to have to, like, bury my wedge yeah. in the base of this grass stair in order to, like, get enough loft under the ball Kay. to get it up on with green. Um, and then as I'm, as I'm, like, lining up to hit the ball, uh-huh. I'm like, dude, my practice swing, I've opened the face way up. I'm swinging real shallow. And yeah. as I'm, like, you know, sitting there, like, re-gripping my club and, you know, settling my feet and all that, then my alarm goes off. Oh, you wake up at the worst time. So I didn't, I didn't get to hit the really, it sounded like a lot of fun. <laughs> so from what I understand, you tee off, at the start of the dream, you tee off at 12, gets to the bottom of the staircase, you hit it, but you wake up right as you hit it. I didn't get to hit oh, it. Oh, you didn't get to hit it. I didn't get to actually hit the ball. Oh, I'm just, I'm sitting there like, so you know, unfortunate. you know, in like your pre-chip or yeah. like pre-flop shot. That's when you woke up. I'm like, I'm sitting there like changing my grip and yeah. like. You know, kind of swinging it back and forth, the little waggle. Yep. Wow. I, I woke up mid-waggle. So, can, do you remember, I know dreams are hard to remember sometimes, do you remember the feeling of being there? Yes. Amongst the crowd? Very much so. And? Is it, it incredible. as euphoric as it looks? It was incredible. Really? I felt very cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Even if you're, like, not playing well. I feel like yeah. no matter what, that would Honestly, be Honestly, I was just so glad 
that I didn't like hosel shank it into the crowd. Yeah. You didn't embarrass because, yourself. Because on in this dream, the crowd <laughs> was was so behind great. you on the tee box as yeah. it is on twelve. Right. And then it, it did go all the way around the hole. Re- on like the a, backside. Almost like a stadium. Really? It went all the way around the backside okay. and then and then there was even there were even uh patrons in a stadium like well, I guess what would be in the grass between the 13th fairway and the 12th right. hole. Right, So people all around watch me line up at this grass stairway. Okay. Which now I'm like, I would love to meet a greenskeeper who's like, okay, grass stairway, let's do it. Let's screw some <laughs> golfers over. That'd be a lot of fun. You know what? I'm happy for you because that would be a really cool dream to be there. And to yeah. at least just no, it was play. great, dude. You know, I've... I've been there in my mind. I'm going to Augusta oh, in my mind. That would be incredible. James Taylor. So um, what they do every year at the Masters is they have the Champions Dinner, and the previous winner is the one who um, sets the menu for the the uh, the meal. Mm-hmm. So obviously last year we had um, Scotty Scheffler win it, and um, they had – let me pull it up. Okay, so – Scotty Scheffler being last year's winner, um, his menu items were they had they had cheeseburger sliders, served Scotty style, which I saw had French fries in them. Okay, oh. so that sounded good. Firecracker shrimp, tortilla soup, Texas ribeye steak, or blackened redfish, and a warm chocolate chip skillet cookie. So they add in the warm Ooh. there. Yeah, sounds incredible. So and that comes with milk. And cookies. Yep. Uh, ice cream. Yep. So, Andy, what would be your Masters Champion dinner menu if you happen to win the Masters in the future? Mm. Never great, say never. That's a great question. It doesn't have to be the full menu. Maybe just a couple items. Right, right. Now, bear in mind, we live in Utah where there aren't really specific foods that Utah brings just to the table. Just loads of fry sauce. Fry sauce is our <laughs> biggest thing that I think most people like. Here's the thing. It, I think because we live in Utah and we don't really like like we don't really know what real barbecue is like. True. Unless we we'd been to Texas or didn't yes. been to somewhere in the south, right? Agreed. We don't really know what good fish is like mm-hmm. unless we'd, you know, gone to, f- you know, California or Florida or somewhere yeah. where you know they fish a lot. So it's hard because like my f- my first thought would be uh I would love to have my father-in-law make his brisket. Ooh, okay. Or like pulled pork. Anything yeah. my father-in-law makes on the Traeger. Traeger grill. Phenomenal. Ooh, chef's kiss. Okay, so. So good. I love that. So let's put that at the beginning. So maybe some other items that you like. So I would do I would do that, and then I would do some sort of like cheesy potato. Okay. Like a like either an agra, like an agratin potato. Mm, not cheese fries. Okay. I would do like either an, like an agratin potato or like okay. a funeral potato. Sure. I just like where the potatoes are sliced oh, into yeah. wedges. Yeah. And then they have like a little bit of like burnt cheese on the top. Yep. Oh, so good. <laughs> I would probably have some sort of green. Like I I I do love like uh, uh, roast broccoli. Okay. My mom makes this really good uh, roast broccoli that has like she puts some cheese on top, but not like gross like a gross amount of cheddar cheese she puts like a little bit of i think it was parmesan on top and she sprinkles it with some lemon sure that's very good it sounds very good um gosh i don't know what about a dessert simple my wife's chocolate chip cookies love it and brownies okay keep it simple stupid i like mm-hmm. it yeah brownies okay hear me out on this okay i understand that augusta is in georgia but I am an avid In and Out fan. <laughs> no. So, yes. John. Yes. I would. <laughs> we have been to our buddy's uh, reception and he had an In and Out uh, food truck. A truck, yeah. That came to his reception. Shout out to Ben Smith. I would have an In and Out burger to start. Okay. A double double <laughs> with grilled onion. Okay. And, and animal fries. And animal fries. Okay. Yep. So yeah, that would be the must. first part. You can't have your burger without your animal fries. Exactly. Which, by the way, in and out later Absolutely. after this. <laughs> Starving. Um, and then I would. I love a filet mignon from Ruth's Chris. Oh, oh, you're oh you're doubling down. Yeah. So I would add in wow. the filet mignon. Okay. Cooked medium. Mm. Uh, that would be another item on there. I would have um, lobster bisque soup. Lobster I'm kind of following uh, Scotty Scheffler's 
route here. I loved that he put in just a soup item. Lobster mm. biscuit soup is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I would also have... Um, <laughs> I would potentially put in chicken tenders. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> what is this meal? I'm a five-year-old at heart when I eat yes, my food. Yes, you are. Love me some chicken tenders. And then chicken my... Tendies. Here we go. Again, hear me out. <laughs> my... My dessert menu, <laughs> you ready? Would be, <laughs> I would have a um, cinnamon cinnamon <laughs> roll. <laughs> the sh- the chef the chefs at Augusta, they would do would nothing. Hate, they would hate they'd, you. They'd have one item to cook, and the rest they'd of it be like, "You in. want me to go pick up fast food for your master's dinner?" I'm just telling you, if <laughs> I won the Masters in 2024, this would be my Masters dinner. Just to recap, wow. In-N-Out Burger with animal fries, uh, filet mignon steak, <laughs> lobster bisque soup, chicken tenders, and Cinnabon. Cinnabon. Cinnabon is my favorite sweet, hands down. It's not a vegetable in sight. No, absolutely not. I don't <laughs> want to ruin the meal. No, I, I think having a Cinnabon to close off with some cold whole milk would just be, oh, to top go. it off, would be so good. Maybe like a fiber supplement <laughs> for you since you don't eat any vegetables. <laughs> oh, no, no, Text no. Us well, no. If, you, if you listen on Spotify, I will put up a poll and you vote. You can put polls. I'm going to okay. have Andy's okay. meal or my meal. Okay. <laughs> We're going to see what our listeners okay, Hold on. Can I, you added a lot of things. Can I add a few? Sure. Then? So you had, so let's go over one more time. I had like brisket, pulled pork, yep. like essentially barbecue plates. You had your roasted uh, roast potatoes. Potatoes, you had your broccoli. My broccoli and uh, chocolate, chocolate chip cookies. cookies. So maybe one more item. Um one or two. Gosh, I'm thinking maybe a an appetizer of sorts. What kind? I'm trying to think about something that would good go that would go well with the barbecue. I didn't think about that at all. Um, I just kind of threw in what I love. <laughs> gosh. I don't know. Screw it. I just go wings. Just classic wings. Dude. Buffalo yes, wings. Buffalo wings. Okay. Kinda kinda out of the range of the you know, the barbecue, but I love hey, it. I love wings. Just a recap. With the carrots and celery. Okay. See that's a good menu. Yeah. So for all of you Spotify listeners, because they don't do this on Apple, vote on the poll on which master's dinner you would attend. Great. Okay. I like it. I would attend either. Absolutely. To be, to yeah, be fair. Yeah, I think yours is great. You know, I would, I, if Start I could, out with a, an if I could attend any, any master's <laughs> dinner, if I could attend the master's <laughs> dinner where, who was it that, um, was it Hideki's? They had really good food in Hideki's. No, who was it that gave them, oh, it was Bubba. They what gave him gruel. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Co- uh, green beans, corn, and mashed potatoes. No, thank you. <laughs> I'll pass. Okay. So, Andy. You brought to my attention something that was really interesting that was said by Greg Norman. Yes. Do you want to tell the listeners what that was? Yes. So, in an interview, uh, you know, with Greg Norman about the live golfers that are uh, eligible to play at Augusta this week. Yeah. It was made note that there are 18 live golfers. Uh, that will be there this weekend. And um, so <coughs> Greg Norman was saying that, uh, you know, if, if one of the master, excuse me, one of the live players yeah. should be in a position on Sunday to be coming up 18 as the likely winner or as a potential winner. Or in contention. In contention. Sure. That he would hope that the other 17 players would be there sitting around the outside of the green. Okay. So that you have 18 live golfers yeah. on the 18th hole yeah, supporting, I guess, that 17 player. winners supporting the 18th player right. that would be winning. Um, he says, th- uh, quote, there's talk in our teams all around here. There are 18 of us live guys at Augusta. And if one of the guys, no matter who it is, uh, they're all going to be, uh, you know, is in contention. They are all going to be there on the 18th green. They're all going to be there, and just give, and that just gives me goosebumps to think about. He said, when you walk up 18, your caddy hugs you. Then you see your wife or your mom and your dad. Now to have those other 17 guys there, that's the spirit we want. Hmm. What do you think? 
Man, honestly, I get it. Like, I get where he's coming from. You want to create that camaraderie. You want to make sure that it's that your your golf league is united and right. that everyone supports one another. You know, I don't have any major qualms with it. I don't think it's a massive issue. I do think it's interesting. Like, I think it would be fascinating to mm-hmm. watch. It, it's never happened before. Typically, you'll have someone like, you know, you have a group of buddies like Spieth, JT, Ricky Fowler, who all like to hang mm-hmm. out with one another. Right. And so if one of them one of them is in contention, then typically they'll stay around on the 18th. Right. Um, but I've never, I don't think it's ever happened where you have at least 15 to 20 players waiting on 18 for someone to come Yeah, up. I've never seen that. Um, I think it would be really interesting to see. Yeah, I, I don't see it's any Especially, issue. like, what if of those 18 players, 12 of them don't make the cut? Yeah. Because they, they could have easily come, left. Are they going to come back? Yeah. The thing I think is interesting about it, it's a cool idea mm-hmm. and great. It shows camaraderie and, you know, great support and mm-hmm. closeness in the in the live circuit. Sure. The thing for me that's most interesting about this idea is the change in approach from Greg Norman. Yeah. Greg Norman has taken every chance he has had to be really inflammatory mm-hmm. and to very poke contentious and prod and provoke mm-hmm. um provoke that's a good word that I would to use, try to yeah. provoke the PGA tour and sure. say hey we are here to stay we're here for good we're going to be a thorn in your side and if we have one of our 18 guys that's mm-hmm. coming up 18 on Sunday in contention mm-hmm. we are going to be there to prove to you that we are better hmm. And so it's really interesting to me that he's coming out saying, yeah, I just I want to make sure we're the type of tour where we all support each other. It's just a really interesting sh- like dynamic, do a shift th- in dynamic. Do you think that's because um, he wants to just, on a personal level, he wants to change the dynamic of his approach towards Liv and how people, like a PR standpoint? Or do mm. you think it's because he feels like they've arrived and he can act that way? Yeah, he can kind of back off now. Yeah. I don't know. I and maybe I'm, you know, kind of over analyzing this. But I agree. I think he has definitely taken a step back from six to nine months ago. Yeah. So I'm. I don't know that. That I have an opinion either way about if he feels that he's arrived or. Mm-hmm. It's just. I, I notice the difference in approach, mm-hmm. and I think it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Um, I think Liv has kind of arrived at a point where it seems like they plateaued almost because they're now into their season. They haven't gained any new players as far as we know. So who knows how the next year will go. That CW contract is cranking out the big bucks. Big time. Yeah. Love that CW contract. <laughs> yeah. I think it'd be really interesting to see if they actually end up doing it, right? If you have a Liv player who's in contention, see everyone there on 18. I'm sure they'll show it on camera. Um, I have nothing against it. I think it's great for for the league if that's what they're wanting to go for. Yeah, and honestly, I don't think I would mind live as much mm-hmm. if if they didn't have that really aggressive mindset. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the way that a lot of the players have, have been approaching th- the tour as a whole, yeah. the, the live series as a whole, and the way they've been approaching their relationships with, you know, the PGA members, I think has made the players a lot more a lot easier to stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, except for Patrick Reed. <laughs> except for Patrick yeah, Reed. He's the only one. <laughs> Greatest villain. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like, I don't know that I feel as strongly against uh, Brooks Kepka or, or Bryson DeChambeau as I did on when they were on the tour, probably because I'm just not seeing him mm-hmm. as much, kind of out of sight, out of mind. But um, more the way that they were at the beginning and the way that um, Greg Norman was at the beginning – as that's kind of fading, it's like okay, well, maybe that's okay. Yeah, yeah, I think that's I think that's true. All right, to close up our master segments, one thing I wanted to ask you that we have seen on social media um, is how much would you be willing to pay to play at Augusta? My unborn child. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Can Sarah, you put don't a price divo- on that. Sarah, don't divorce me. <laughs> I love you. So the options they gave were, I think it was a thousand dollars, five thousand dollars, and then I can't remember the third option. I think it was like, like ten, yeah, ten or fifteen and then grand, fifty or something like that. 
So let's start with you. How much would you pay? Honestly, honestly, okay, let's say that, you know, the Masters wasn't this week. You had an opportunity to go play. Like, you have flights. You're ready to go. You yeah. just have to pay the fee to go there. Yeah. How much would you pay? The green play, fee? Mm-hmm. The green fee itself? Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, I I would say somewhere between one and five. Five would be really hard for me to pay. Sure. That's a lot of money. Sure. A thousand is a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, I'd probably say somewhere more near a thousand. Okay. And I said I would pay five grand. Yeah. I think that is the, the threshold for me. That's the most I would pay. Mm-hmm. And to be fair, like when you look at, you know, I, I've, when I think about this question, I think about, you know, I was able to play TPC Scottsdale when sure. I lived in Arizona. Yeah. And a twilight rate for like a month after the tournament was over, you know, all, all the yeah. stands are still being taken down. You've got workers there hammering and drilling and things sure. like that while you're, while you're swinging. It was $300. Mm-hmm. Twilight rate. Twilight rate. Yeah. If you're playing like the week after, you know, or like the, or the few days after the TPC tournament is over, it's $500 for, you know, 9 o'clock tea time. Yeah. So you you consider that's five hundred dollars. I mean, I know that the that the Phoenix Open is a big tournament, and everything, but I have to think that playing at Augusta would be at least worth double. Oh, that yeah. easy, right? If we're if we're looking at the value of of playing a, a course such as that, that's yeah. five hundred dollars at, at TPC Scottsdale. Uh, Augusta would be at least a thousand. Yeah. And do I think like Augusta would be ten times the price of TPC? Probably not. Probably not. But honestly, I look at it from a standpoint of it's a once in a lifetime opportunity. I don't ever oh see yeah. myself having that opportunity again unless I had connections. Like that's how everyone gets on. Right. Um, and I just and this is assuming that you have a kind the kind of round where you're not waiting because there wouldn't be anyone there. Obviously, I, I right. feel like that's pretty general. You have a caddy. Um, and I'm assuming the weather would be nice too. So, yeah. Um, with all that in mind, I would pay the five grand. I really would. I would, and I would probably not even I would think save about it. A lot. Yeah. Yeah. But you mentioned something interesting, and I, I always think it's so interesting when people bring up this conversation because mm. this is a really frequent, uh, you know, question, mm. uh, hypothetical to be brought up in golf circles. How much you, would you pay mm-hmm. to play Augusta? The reason this is such a, uh, a frequent topic of conversation is because you're not able to just go pay. Nope. You can only get on to Augusta, like you said, if you have connections. Mm-hmm. And from what I understand, you I don't know that you pay all that much money, if no. anything. No, I, the green fees, I, I remember looking, I can't remember how much they are, but they're minimal. Yeah, they're like they're not that much. Mm-mm. And so it, it really is less about how much would you pay and more about like what would you do to make connections. Yeah, like who would you... No, to get on Augusta. Right. Yeah. No, I, I agree. But I think if if there was an option where someone said, all right, you can play, how much would you pay? It would be that, that five grand yeah. mark. Yeah, no, I agree. Okay, Andy, you yes. recently just went to California and played some I, golf. I did. I think this is a good opportunity to launch into our other favorite segment, mm. the ups and downs. <laughs> Okay, Andy, so you were in Los Angeles this last week. I was. And had a chance to get out of the snow of Utah and go play at course to be named here. <laughs> Westchester Golf Course. In it LA. Is, it is in L.A. Kay. It is just north of LAX. Okay. You can almost smell the jet fuel. <laughs> <laughs> so it's right there. It's right there. Okay, regardless of the course, I guess you can talk about the course quality. How did you play? So, well... First, let me tell you, before I tell you how I played, I'll tell you a little bit of a backstory. So I was going to L.A. for a continuing education course for PT. Here's okay. my, my episode uh, PT yep. uh, shout-out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was going to L.A. for this course for P- for physical therapy, and uh, it was just th- right there by, by LAX. It was a course uh, with uh, a professor from USC. Okay. Anyway, wasn't really planning on going golfing. Didn't bring my clubs. 
uh, if you if you know for those of you that have been listening in on the last few episodes, I've had this bum shoulder that I haven't really been able to swing. So, you know, my my thought though was that I I had a few hours uh, after this course had finished and before it would be time to go to bed, and so I thought, well, what could I do? Maybe I'll try to go to the range and just sure. see if I can, you know, get a, a few clubs from behind the desk and just go hit a few balls and you know maybe hit some light wedges like I've been doing the last few weeks. But I get there, and it's beautiful. It's great weather. A little windy, um, but it's beautiful weather. Okay. And so I, I go, I go, and I find, and this this course is is not, like, a really high-level course. It's kind of a... They typically aren't. Yeah. Like, uh, usually around, I mean, unless you're really going to a really nice. Mm-hmm. The courses I've been to in California typically are not in great shape. Well, and I think it was, like, a par 65. Whoa, really? Yeah, it wasn't a full wow. 72. So it, okay. it was, like, mostly par 3s and par 4s. Sure. And then it had like I think maybe two par fives. Okay, so you know, smaller the, the whole course. So a little shorter. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I, I go to the range and I'm like, hey, can I just pick out a few clubs? And they don't. It was such a, a small kind of rundown course. They didn't even have like demo sets. No rentals. No rentals. They're wow. just like, sorry. Okay. We've got a we've got a bucket in the back full of like thirty <laughs> golf clubs that people have left behind. So I go and find like a uh, just a mishmash of like some random old tailor made four iron. Uh, the nice. six iron had tape all over it. I don't nice. know. It, the face was okay, but the head was covered in tape. This is a makeshift. Yeah. Uh, I found a the, the one like the nicest club that I found was uh, an abandoned uh, tailor made P seven ninety eight iron. I found some random uh, milled wedge that I'd never heard of before, and then like an old a janky old putter. Okay. And Do you have a driver. No driver. No driver. No driver, no woods. Because why would you need a driver? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and I, I went to the range and hit, and I was like, okay, this is kind of fun. And then I thought, you know, I've, I I look up, and I realize there are lights. It's like 5.15. I would never dream of teeing off 5.15. Side note, Utah needs to embrace this. They have. In Timpa- one course. Timpanogos Golf Course. Yeah, I'm saying like in Provo. the entire state. Oh, I agree. A lot of these yeah. courses that are down in the valley, Oh yeah. they need to embrace it. Anyway, continue. So I'm like, what if I, crazy idea, what if I played golf? Because you didn't have that intention, did you? I did not. Okay. No, like I said, maybe going to the range, did not have the intention. So I go in, I buy one sleeve of Pro V1s. Okay. Now keep, keep in mind, <laughs> I usually lose at least oh. a sleeve and a half. Easy. Maybe two sleeves every time I play. Uh, is there water on this course? Like, were there ponds? Uh, there were a few ponds. Okay. Yes. So there was potential to lose There's balls. potential to lose balls. Got it. Um, I'm just setting up this story. Yes. This is so great. And I will say, uh, I played way better <laughs> than I should have ever played with these clubs. Now, granted, I had my shoulder that was still bugging me. Um, these janky clubs. Of course, I didn't know, you know, Hitting not quite as far as I would up here in sure, Utah because sure. of the elevation, wind, a lot of factors that should have made me play really terribly, and I played bogey golf, which is about what I you know a little bit better than I yeah what no, I usually that's do. usually better than you do. And I will say my favorite thing about the entire day was this four iron. Mm. I had a love affair with this thing. Tailor made four iron. Tailor made four. I don't even remember the model. It was like. It looked like it was made in, like, 2007. That's awesome. Uh, it was a little bit of an extra bulky grip. Yeah. A little bit longer. It felt almost like a driving iron. I've never sure. really hit a driving iron, but I, I imagine that is what it felt yeah. like. I usually yeah. hit my four iron about 200 yards here in Utah. Okay. I was hitting that thing 220-230. Really? In California? In California, into the wind. Sure. Um, it felt incredible. Wow. It was so good. Okay, um, this is fascinating. And then my my second favorite part was that I got paired up. Or I got I kind of got paired up with a guy who had to leave eventually. He only had room for like you know eight or nine holes. Sure. Um, and then I I let this group catch up with me, and I was gonna uh, I just I hung out with them for a minute. And they were four dudes that had all gotten sober together. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was. Uh, let's see if I can Rain like Rain Wilson. Okay. Rain John Mike. And Gunner. Good heavens, your memory <laughs> is unbelievable. Yeah, they were, Gunner. They were all really cool. They were cool guys. Were they from California? They were all, f- uh, actually a lot of them were from Southern, uh, from South Carolina. Okay. From South Carolina. Very nice. Uh, but they had all come out there, I think, to get sober together. Nice. Anyway, two of them were golfers. Kay. Two of them were not. 
Nice. And they were playing a scramble, and they uh, the one the golfers gave the not golfers three strokes a hole, and wait, 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 just so we know, is this a fivesome? So I made it a fivesome. You made it a fivesome on the yeah. at the turn. Yeah. Okay. Nobody cared. Yeah. <laughs> Marshall. No Marshall. N- not in sight. Didn't even see him once. Saw you and was like, "Have fun, boys." Yeah. Great. Awesome. It's a lot of fun. My first time playing underneath the lights. Really, really great time. Played with the one sleeve. You didn't lose in all of them. I nope. Okay. And in fact, I think Proud I have of two of them still. I think I only wow. lost one. Yeah. I probably will yeah. lost them all. So, um, my. My actually, I will say this is probably my favorite part of the night. At a certain point, I was thinking, "Hey, it's getting really late." It's I'm in Inglewood, California, which uh, I don't know if you know. That's not a very safe part of town. Sure, <laughs> I have about a 35 minute walk home from the golf course to my hotel. It's like 10, 10, 15 at night. I'm like, I should probably get going. So you didn't take an Uber. I no, I was like, screw that. It's like forty dollars for like a 10 minute drive. Like I'd rather I'd rather get mugged than I'd rather get mugged and have a cool story than be like oh yeah like the the Uber driver essentially mugged me because I had to pay ninety five dollars <laughs> to go ten minutes. <clears throat> anyway, so uh, awesome. so so I went I went ahead and on seventeen, um, I yanked my drive left. Your or my, my my tee shot. My sure. I yanked my iron left. Um, about forty five yards left uh, of the hole. Big flop shot up over um, this bunker to put it to about 19 feet. Okay. And because I was hustling, this wasn't a, a cockiness factor. You've seen Kevin Na walk in putts from like 10, 12 sure. feet. Yeah. Walk, he, he starts walking as soon as he hits the ball. Sure. This was a walk in because I was late and you I didn't want to get, get mugged. Sure. So I put it from about 19 feet. Downhill, you made it, and I it went right in. You're kidding! I walked me. in a putt. So oh my, my god! One of my favorite putts of all time. Wait, wait, wait! So you hit it, stand up, start walking, and you're following it in the hole. I'm following it. I'm following it through the hole. In <laughs> fact, I was, amazing. I was. It was so late that I hadn't taken time to take the flag out. So right. I'm like racing my ball to the hole to pull the flag out. Right. And I pulled it just in time. That's incredible. So, really fun. Okay. Um, and then you know my shoulder hurt so much. But you mentioned you got the cortisone shot, right? Just say oh, so. Okay. So, it hurt so much after I played that round of golf <laughs> that I went to my wife's doctor the next, uh, like the next week, and got a cortisone shot in my shoulder. <laughs> no way. I it's been it had been feeling better with everything except for golf. Right. Um. And I've I've been making progress. Uh. Actually, I've, I've been feeling better with golf too. I would say. Okay. Um. But it just still was lingering, and so. Okay. So uh, you got a cortisone shot. After I went and got got a cortisone shot. Went to the range this week. It felt great. Wow. So I'm all set for our, our uh, golf tournament next weekend. Heck, yeah. Next. There's our plug. Next weekend. We have a tournament down in St. George, Utah. It's the first of our six tournaments for the Wasatch Tour. But before we get to that, I have a few follow-up questions. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Number one, playing under the lights. We'll do this in the two-parter. <laughs> Number one, playing under the lights. Real quick, what was that like? Was that fun? Uh, it was incredibly fun. I've seen it. Never done it. It it was way more fun, obviously, when the holes were well lit. Sure. There were a few holes, like one of the holes I lost my ball on um, because there was, it was a par three, so there didn't mm-hmm. need to be a whole lot of lighting either before or after the hole. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I got a little extra on the ball, and it went over the green, and it was like I there was no way I was going to find that ball sure. in the dark. I'm like over there with my iPhone. Sure. Flashlight trying to find my ball. It's like, this would be really great if I had another light over here. Yeah. So sometimes it was frustrating because it was like, this is not lit well enough to actually do this. Um, but oh, but some of the holes were great. So basically, you're in the fairway of a par four. Mm-hmm. You hit to the green. It goes up, and it basically goes into the darkness, right? You can't see it. Because the light some, stops. No, a lot of the lights were tall enough. Like, they're like football stadium lights. Oh. They're like, you know, hundreds of feet tall. Okay. And so, maybe hundreds, maybe 100, sure. 120 feet tall. Sure. So, so sometimes, yeah, they might have gone out of out of the light if you were hitting, like, a high wedge or something right. like that. But a lot of times, if you were hitting, you know, a, a low iron or a mid iron, it, you'd still see it. Okay. Um, and, and then other holes were incredibly well lit where you could see the ball wherever it went. Okay. So it d- depends on how well lit the course is and how much money they're willing to spend on lighting every hole. Yeah. Um, but it was it was pretty great. There's something lie. to be said for that around the U.S. <clears throat> yeah. 
another thing that I thought was very helpful for other golfers I saw like in in neighboring fairways was yeah. these glow in the not glow in the dark, um, but like they were actually like LED golf balls. Oh, so it wasn't just like hey you know this this ball will glow. Sure, like this this ball emanates LED light. That's cool. Um, apparently, from what I heard from them, they don't they don't fly as far and they're probably not as consistent. A lot mm-hmm. of them said they were kind of crappy. Mm-hmm. But for me, depending on how how bad the ball, like if it flies like a range ball, mm-hmm. I would still consider playing that and then just have to club up a little bit uh, for the sake of being able to find. Because it was like you could see that thing from 250 yards away. That's fascinating. Okay. Easy to find. Question number two. You mentioned you played pretty well. Yeah. Like t- bogey golf, which is, I mean, that's a good, I mean, you usually play bogey golf, so it's... Yeah, lately I've been playing a little bit over bogey. Okay. Like been like in a seventy-two round. Yeah. Or a seventy-two hole round, I'll shoot into the nineties. So obviously this wasn't a par seventy-two course, but talk to me about why you think you played well. Like what went into the mentality of why you think you played well with all of the circumstances and the situation you were in from that versus just a round you had played last fall, for example. Yeah, honestly, I think maybe part of it was the fact that. Um, knowing with the elevation difference and also with my shoulder, knowing that I, I wasn't able to, you know, if I had, say, a 100-yard <clears throat> wedge shot, yeah, yeah, I couldn't take that 56 and go full swing. You had to play differently. So I had to take my 8-iron and do, like, a two-thirds or, like, three-quarter, like, soft. Yeah, you had to majorly adjust your I game. had to really – and that was the hard, one of the hardest things. And also yeah. one of the things I was most stoked about was – one of the I came the closest. I forgot to tell you about this shot. I came the very closest yeah. I've ever come to holding out. How far? Three feet. With what was an, your yardage? Uh, I had a hundred and twenty yards. Really? With an eight iron. Ooh, that's a tough shot. Yeah, very tough. So it was like a two thirds, like yeah. three quarter eight iron. Right. Just a nice little smooth, and it it yeah, it was very very close. It was my only birdie of the day. Okay, that's awesome. Um, do you feel like part of this has to do with maybe you weren't taking it as seriously? Taking yourself, taking the it, round. It could have been. You had like three or four clubs. Yeah. And like because of that, you were relaxed and it, you played better. It could have been. Yeah, it could have been. Because I've been in situations like that where I've gone to a random course, played with random clubs. And I have also, not like to this extent, but I play better because I just don't care as much. You don't care as much, yeah. yeah. And I think this kind of goes back to what one, yeah, like how how stressed are you? How much pressure do you feel? Mm-hmm. Um, which I think, you know, on on one hand, goes into practicing under pressure. Sure. How good are you at at um, sticking to your processes and your swing thoughts and all those sure. things? Uh, but then, but then also, I think you know when we get into those pressure situations. We, like I mentioned a few episodes ago, we start to think very internally. Mm-hmm. What am I doing with my club face? How am I, how am I sequencing my swing? Sure. We get all these really internal swing thoughts versus when you're in a really low pressure situation, just out with buddies, mm-hmm. not trying to beat each other, not playing for money, not playing in a tournament. You're just out there having fun, and so you stop thinking about your mechanics, and you're just out there just thinking, oh, just, just hit, swing in the club, just swing the club, and hit the ball towards the towards the hole. Yeah. Um, and we see with motor control and uh, you know motor performance and things like that that when you have a more external focus, you just you, you play, just play better. You just yeah, it becomes way easier. Like this morning, I was playing basketball, and uh, you know could not hit a shot warming up. I was like, oh my yeah. gosh, what's going on? Yeah. You know, and then we just started playing, and like things started going in. Hmm. Right. Well, that sounds fun. I am so jealous you got to play. It was a good time. That sounds, and you sound like you played with some cool dudes too. Which is nice. They were th- that helped as well. Yeah, a, a lot of cool dudes helped, helped it feel really factor. helped it feel really low stress. You know, cool energy. Yeah, so that's awesome. All right, everybody. I'm John Webb, and I'm Andy Proctor, and everything here has been par for the course. Have a good one. <laughs>